I still remember vividly <clears throat> the day I met my guest today, Steve, uh, about four years ago. And I remember it because I had been debating for a long time uh, about starting to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it was that day that I finally kind of built up the courage to walk into the local 10th Planet Long Island gym near me. Um, and Steve was behind the desk. He was He's the owner and head instructor. And um, I'll always remember that day. And, and it's funny because if somebody had told me that day that we would be on a podcast having this type of conversation, I would have said, you're effing crazy, man. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way for so many different reasons. Um, who's to say if I would have stayed with jujitsu and that we would have hit it off like that and that I would have been thinking in these ways and been able to have this, all this stuff, right? Um, it would have been hard for me to believe. Um, but it, it speaks to... Firstly, the, the impact that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and more specifically the 10th Planet family that, that I train with have had on my life. And, and maybe even more specifically, uh, Steve himself, um, the, the mindset, the philosophy, the energy he brings to, to the gym and to the people that he trains there um, are a big driver in that impact that's been had on my life. And I think Steve and I are similar in a lot of ways. Um, we're, we're constantly seeking, we're, we're looking for more knowledge, more wisdom for the truth, which, which coincidentally was his most important value. Um, we want to understand ourselves and the universe better. It's just, it's just a constant um, search for us. So for that reason, not surprisingly, we actually didn't talk very much about jujitsu in this episode. We talked about big, deep, interesting, fascinating philosophical topics like truth, like happiness, um, like evolution, like accountability, um, all these different things and, and how they impact our lives. And, and for Steve, how what I would say probably stood out most for me in this conversation was his kind of personal journey towards truth as he spoke about. Um, and, and it was really interesting to, to hear him go through because firstly, Steve's a, he's a very free thinker. He's got really interesting perspectives on all these different philosophical topics. So in and of themselves, really interesting to talk about. And if you like thinking about meta philosophical topics, this is the episode for you, but more, more directly and more personally for him. Um, and you'll hear him talk about this a bit on the show. Um, you know, when I, when I first met Steve, he, he, he was probably much more focused on, you know, his business and growing that and, and just the more traditional, if you will, quote unquote, traditional lifestyle, um, you know, maybe not questioning as much, maybe not seeking things as much, maybe not understanding himself in the universe as much as he does now. But um, through that process of searching, um, you can see it, you can hear it in his voice, how he started to realize what it really takes to find your truth and how um, having, having the courage to kind of ask the questions, to try and understand the world better, to, to open your mind more, to explore more things, how that's allowed him to do that, how it's allowed him to realize that it's not about, um, you know, pointing fingers at somebody else. It's not about focusing on the negative things in life and, and just complaining about what's going wrong, but it's about accountability and, and, and responsibility and self-love. And those are the things right? That allow you to find that truth, to, to look out into the world and see that there are things you don't like, and there are negative aspects, but you have to start within yourself. The change has to start within you. And it was just really cool to see that progression in Steve in, in, the, in the time that I've known him, but to have this long form conversation and hear him talk about that a little bit and how it's kind of impacted him and how he views the world. Um, really, really super interesting for me. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoy it as well. So with that, let's get to the episode. All right, Steve. Excited to talk to you today, man. It's been a long time coming, so I'm psyched for it. So I'm going to jump right in because I'm sure we'll get into a lot of stuff. So what's the value that's most important to you? Oof. I think one in particular is hard. Um, as of right now, um, 
this at this point I think truth truth is really important to me um, because there's a lot of um, there's an argument of whether truth is objective or subjective mm -hmm. um, and I think that there is an underlying objective truth to any and all things right it's like well you may bring up like a I've had someone say to me, well, what if, like, uh, um, you might say, like, killing is, is wrong, mm -hmm. right? And that is uh, objective truth, right? But maybe let's take, like, a woman's scenario of being beaten by her mm -hmm. husband, right? And she defends herself and kills him, right? That might be... Uh, Subjective, mm -hmm. right? But in my mind, defense of someone intruding your physical space to induce bodily harm, there's an objective truth that everyone has the right to defend themselves, mm -hmm. right? So, and there's an objective truth that you should never harm another person. Mm -hmm. But those two things in light of being able to defend myself right I think there's an objective truth there don't do harm to other people but you have the right to defend yourself and if everyone followed those two rules there would never be any violence period because you would never have to defend yourself when you say objective truth yeah what what is it in your mind in your processing that tells you something is objectively true. Is it? Is it? And it might be. It's fine if it is. Is it like a gut feel, like an intuition, no, or is I there some analysis harm. you run? I think it's harm. Any form of harm is wrong. Right? Or yeah. So let's say you steal something from my house, mm -hmm. right? You entered my private space without permission, mm -hmm. right? So you intruded on on me essentially, right? And you took something that doesn't belong to you. Um, that's a form of harm, right? If you tell a lie to hurt my reputation, right? That's a form of harm. Mm -hmm. All of those things are wrong, right? So if, what was your original question? So well, I, I guess I'll stick with the thread that. you're on. How, how do you know, what makes them wrong? And it sounds like a stupid question, right? Yeah. I go to your house and I steal something from you mm -hmm. or whatever it is. What is it that tells you, yes, that's wrong? I guess harm is what it comes back to. But that's where it gets interesting, right? Because we were just talking about this before the show started. So I have a son, obviously. Sometimes I need to discipline him, punish him, right. um, ground him, tell him to go to his room. Sometimes he has to go to the doctor and get a test that he doesn't want to take, get blood taken. All that stuff is harm in some form. But we've kind of accepted that that harm's okay. And that's where I think it gets interesting with the subjective objective because – I agree with you completely. I think there's an objective truth to this world. And I think you and I are very similar that we're like, we're going to find that thing. We're going to do our best to get there. But as you start looking for it, it gets super slippery because you try and put these principles in place which say, all right, just don't harm anybody else. Right. But then we find these little exceptions like, well, no, that harm's okay. You can do that. Or even jujitsu, right? right? Like we may cause some harm to somebody just in cranking a Kimura in training. Right. Is that harm enough where it's like oh that's okay though just that little bit of harm you know what I mean yeah I think um, because the person is willing there's consent to, to it there's consent 
you're not robbing them of their safety and security, mm. right? And when you bring Kavian to the doctor to get blood work done, in his eyes, it's harm. Because mm. he's not smart enough to know that it's for his, his greater well-being, mm. right? So it's like certain people's perspective, you know, maybe will allow or, or turn them towards being victimized, right? Mm. But um, as a parent, you know that him getting these tests or, you know, doing this sort of blood work is only for his, it's for his health, right? See, that's so, interesting because it, it, it parallels to what we talk about a lot, which is a parent perspective. There's this sense of, like, um, knowing better, and I'm doing this for you. Yeah. You could zoom out and look at the government, just right. as an example, and people saying, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to force everybody to get vaccinated or whatever it is we do, right. eat this type of food, yeah. because we know better. Right. We're going to help you. And that's, again, where it gets tricky because you start looking and dissecting these things, and it's like – even that, there's danger in all of it. There's danger yeah. in all of it, I think, because what I often say is that certainty is, is the most dangerous thing that exists. And that's a funny thing when you pair it with objective truth, because I think when people think they've found the objective truth, mm-hmm. or they think they know better, or I'm going to protect you as a yeah. parent or as a government, right. you could do some pretty shitty stuff once you allow yourself to believe that. Right. I think the hard part is, as an, more so as an adult, not the... the parent mm-hmm. child relationship but like no one I don't need anyone to take care of me mm. right so when you tell me that you're going to do x y and z for me when I didn't ask you to do x mm. y and z for me right then you're intruding on my ability to make my own decisions which is not okay right that consent's not there again you're taking away my free will Right, so you're intruding on my free will, which is a form of harm. Mm. Right, I personally think you should be able to take any drug that you want. You should be able to go jump off a building if you want. Mm-hmm. It's your life, right? And I don't think any other person should have control over another person's life. Assuming you're not causing harm on somebody else. Assuming you're not causing harm on somebody's somebody else. Yeah. So um, I do think that. Obviously, there are certain lines that need to be drawn, right? If you're going out killing people, right? right, You're causing harm. So, therefore, if your free will brings you to that sort of act, you've got to be locked up and re-educated, put through therapy, so that your will and your belief system changes so that you can function in society Mm. again, right? Do you think it's... Because this is, this is one of those possible, I, I don't know, I'm genuinely asking and exploring. This could be one of those cases where we, we, the rhetorical we as humans, have created this illusion to want to believe that there is a middle ground, right? So as you just said, like, there's certain lines we have to draw, right? If you're, if you're a pedophile, you, you don't get to just go act on those impulses right. and live it out because that's what you want to do and that's what makes you happy. And that makes sense, obviously. But is it possible that it's actually more binary than we think it is, right? So either we have to let people do whatever they want and just accept the consequences of that because that's what it is, or we have to say we're going to put in all these rules and actually people don't have freedom of choice. There's going to be a hierarchy. People are going to make decisions for you. I think we want to believe there's a middle ground that works, but is it possible, and this goes back to what you were saying before the show about anarchy, that actually we have to pick one or the other. Either we need to accept that people are going to make decisions for us or we have to let everything happen as it would. And there's no lines, there's no rules because there's really no middle ground to have. Yeah. 
Um, I think that it comes back to it being sovereign and taking responsibility for everything and anything that happens in your own life, right? So I mm. played under the, the, um, the role of the victim when it came to COVID, right? And having to shut down my business mm. and being, you know, forced to wear a mask and, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, so for me, it's like, um, lost my train of thought there. Um, it was about sovereignty. Like you're sovereign. Like you, you had the ability um, to make your own decisions right, and right. you were responsible for what came for sure. It. So if I get ill, right, it's a, it's a, essentially a, a, a byproduct of my lifestyle choices for the most part. And you're okay with that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. If I'm, mm. you know, hungry, right, then I should probably have the skills to learn how to cook, not rely on a fast food corporation mm -hmm. to, to feed me, right? Um, and then get upset if you get, get sick <laughs> and your health is crap. Yeah. Right, right. So I think it all comes down to if every single person in the world realized the truth of our reality and that we could create any sort of world that we want, mm. then there's no limitations that hold us back from taking right action, mm. right? Otherwise, if we have these false beliefs that you're not capable, that feeding the, the world with, you know, regenerative ag agriculture or, or um, you know, traditional farming methods, um, not mod modern farming methods, isn't doable, right, then that belief is going to limit us from taking action and even trying, mm. right? So um, I think that when we find the deeper truths, then we no longer look to external authority for anything, period. And then we start relying on ourselves and our communities and people that share the same values as us so that we can amplify and project that truth into our existence mm. right so for me if if i operate under one truth level and you operate under another truth level right let's take covid for example my truth level throughout covid was um my immune system has been alive for you know millions of years so i'm not gonna you know go against nature and its you know intelligence mm -hmm. and then the other side of the spectrum was, no, you're not capable, right? Let's mm -hmm. inject whatever you need to in order to survive. Um, we're not going to create the same realities, right? Because you're looking to external authority. I'm looking to inward authority, right? That the external environment doesn't have control over my actions, mm -hmm. right? So... Right now, I think what we're in the middle of are the people that are on one end of the spectrum of a, of a truth based in fear and another end of the spectrum of people that are looking at a truth based in freedom. Mm. And I think that freedom only comes through self-acknowledgement and self-love and a, a, a higher calling or purpose versus 
everything around me is out to get me mm -hmm. and I need help, right? And there's a responsibility in the truth based in freedom, as you're saying, or, or an accountability. Way more responsibility. And, like, and to your point, if, if something happens, it, it has to be both sides. If you want the freedom to live and do what you want to do and not rely on somebody else, then if something happens, you also have to be able to figure it out. You can't then blame somebody else for it. Right. And that's probably the root of a lot of the reason why people don't want to find that truth that accountability, that responsibility, it puts way more it's pressure on you. It's accountability. Yeah, and it's that's scary yeah. to say, like, oh, it's on me now? Yeah. <laughs> I got to figure this out? For sure. That's a scary thing for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you're, you're in a, um, say you're in a relationship, right? And anything that goes wrong in the relationship, you know, each person is just pointing the finger at one another. That's not a relationship, mm. right? Like, you're just, you're expecting one half of the relationship to take 100% of the responsibility. Yes. And that's not how a relationship yeah. works, right? So if I am a relationship with myself mm. and I start including external authorities to tell me what's right and what's wrong and I can't discern those things for myself, then I don't have a relationship with myself, right? Mm. So I think just hearing someone say, this is right, this is wrong, and then taking it as wholehearted truth and not diving deeper mm. into mm. what might be real truth, right? And I think it's weird because it's like, uh, um, when people hear the word truth, they wanna think of whether a fact is right or wrong, yeah. right? But I think that the universe works in patterns. Mm -hmm. And if you just look around at nature, you'll discover these patterns. Mm -hmm. And like gravity, for example, is a reoccurring theme and it's a truth that no one will ever change mm -hmm. as long as they operate within this plane of existence, right? Mm -hmm. That's a truth that won't, that can't be changed. So I almost feel like those bigger truths like causing harm on another person is wrong in any way, shape, or form, whether it's harm to character, harm to their physical body, harm to their physical uh, belongings, um, whether it's intruding on you know their space in any mm -hmm. sort of way, right? Like those are, we can say for a fact that that harm is only going to make things worse in the reality that we're living in, mm. right? So all the wars that we're involved in, mm -hmm. right? There's no justification for it, period. Because the world can function without them, right? Like I think a lot of people will go and say, well, what about like uh, um, how animals naturally mm -hmm. will fight and kill each other, right? Their truth is, if they don't eat, they will die, mm. right? Same thing with us. We don't need to have wars in order to survive, right? Like, there's a way for us to coexist without killing each other. I don't need to eat you, right? Does it, does it, is it dependent on everybody else playing by the same rule book, though? Because you can imagine a scenario where, let's keep it hypothetical, somebody does cause you harm. Or, or infringes on you in some way or attacks your country or whatever it is to where you started, well, then I could cause harm on that person, right, to protect myself. So 
I think you're right in an ideal situation if everybody hit the reset button and said we all accept this truth that we don't have to harm each other and we could debate if that's if that's true or not but would be good but because even if one person doesn't play by those rules it throws the whole thing off I think does it like if 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 well there's a good chance that if one person one person isn't going to influence the whole right the whole will influence the one person to do the right thing for the most part but I feel like when a majority of us let's let's go back to that like war example if 99.9% of us believed that or let's take let's say you're in the army mm-hmm. right and all of a sudden 90% of the army the soldiers decide that this is stupid mm-hmm. I'm going to run off and fight someone else's war and get killed for mm-hmm. for what it would stop overnight yeah, but what about a situation where I've heard this? Well, let me stick with the example we're using. Imagine there's one person. Let's take it to an extreme, who's willing to to use violence, harm, guns to get power, whatever yeah. it is they want, and everybody else in the world has taken this oath and acceptance of truth that you can never do that. That that one person then rules the world if they want to, because if everybody else sticks to their truth, that is, I'm not going to do any harm, right. and this other person's like, well, fuck that, I'm gonna because yeah. I'm gonna do me. Doesn't that break the whole system? And, and, and that's why, even if we're all well-intentioned, unless we can get everybody there, it's hard to imagine a scenario where we can actually live that truth you're saying, which I believe is, also, is the right truth, but how, how does that work? How would you- well, if we go back to being objectively, mm-hmm. you know, having the ability to defend ourselves, right, it's still a thing. Still a thing. Right, so being the first person to pull the trigger on one hand is is me causing harm on you for whatever reason I deem, deem justifiable mm-hmm. versus I'm gonna fire back because you shot at me first, right. right? Once that person is out of the picture and we're all on the same page, like listen, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We don't induce harm on one another. There's no reason to defend yourself. Well, you're right. And then it gets back to that question of, do you really believe, and again, I'm asking honestly, not leading the witness, do you really believe as humans, it's not instinctual in us to want to exercise power over others. Yeah, I think that's um, that is realizing or not realizing an objective truth, and that okay. is that you don't need to rule the material existence that we live in. Right, we're taking it from like a, a, like a, is it Darwin's theory? Yeah, of yeah. survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest, right? Which isn't how nature necessarily. You may look at it from an outside perspective and say, yeah, maybe that's how some of nature functions. But when it comes to humans, I feel like um, we've like evolved past that. We've evolved. We've evolved way past yeah. that way way past that and it's our intellect and our ability to feel all ranges of emotion that allow us to connect to one each other to, to one another right so I almost feel like um, for I'm trying to piggyback where you were just off of well, I guess the idea that we as humans should be better. Yeah. But 
that being better, see, that's where I see it's a double-edged sword. And this is where I, I well, firstly, let me ask this. Let's step back for a sec. What, what is your, what, what do you think is the reason why we as humans have gotten to a place uh, that's risen above right. survival of the fittest? Yeah. What, um, what allowed us to do that? May, and not necessarily literally, like our consciousness allowed us to do that. When you think of like the whole universe, it seems like an anomaly. Yeah. that we exist, that we have the ability to evolve beyond survival of the fittest and, right. and human nature, and that we have the ability to access these kinds of objective truths, maybe. Yeah. How do you make sense of that? Is there some like spiritual belief behind it? Is yeah, it... I think that there's a, um, there is a creative force at the root of all of it. Mm. And I think it pushes our evolution. Um, I think that creative force is love. Mm. And that because we have the ability to feel what someone else is feeling, right? Um, for example, I almost view emotions as a, as a moral compass, mm. right? If I do something that doesn't make me feel right on the inside, right? When essentially my actions have created a chemical compound mm. to make me feel a certain way, to show me whether or not what I'm doing is the right thing, mm. right? Um, I think some people have gone so far off the deep end that they've completely disconnected with those, those feelings of emotion. Um, so they're not necessarily guided in the right way or they were taught how not to feel. Mm. Um, say someone that's been abused their whole life, mm. they just go numb. And now any abuse they put on someone else, they don't feel because that's just the standard mm. for them. Um, but I do feel like there's a, an underlying creative force. And what do you it's, think its, it's objective is? To know itself. To know itself. Right? So if, if let's, most people use the term God, mm -hmm. right? So if I was, if I was by myself in a, in a playground full of life, mm -hmm. um, it would be awfully boring for me to just pick up all these toys and start playing, mm. right? So I would induce a certain set of rules amongst whether it be different dimensions, different planets, different galaxies, whatever it may be, to function on a certain way, so let's call that nature mm -hmm. and how nature functions, and which is something we're so uneducated really? on, um, that it would start to play a game by itself, hmm. right? And I could essentially divide myself into this, into this table, into this phone, into this water bottle, into you know, you and I, and build consciousness throughout evolution to eventually find out that I am that which is everything and everyone. Mm. So once you rediscover that truth and you realize consciousness is on a constant evolution for infinite, um, you eventually realize that for me to do harm to another person do harm to another person, do harm, do harm to myself, myself, right? If I, if I, you know, and now you may say like, okay, well, then you must be a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. 
that's not necessarily true either because the lower planes of consciousness and you know if you look back into like a native american culture they understood this very well where everything was one working ecosystem mm -hmm. and the animals were provided for humans and to not only share their their wisdom and how they function within nature but to fuel us so that we can continue the evolution of consciousness mm -hmm. and humans being the highest level of consciousness we have the ability to make the biggest change mm. so they view animals and i view my animal for example me and my wife ate chicken last night and before i ate i looked at it and i thanked it for mm. its sacrifice so that i can carry out my life and continue to make the, ch the change in the world that i want to mm. make right so it's like everything has a purpose there's nothing that goes unused like we were talking about with the farming mm -hmm. Right, like nature does it all right. exactly how it needs to. It's intelligent, it knows what to do, right? So for us to get in the way of that process and start cre creating our own rules. Of course it's gonna create problems. It's gonna create and, problems, yeah. right? So. Which just ties back to your value of the truth, right? It's almost if, and I get, right? It's hard to get there, but if everybody can just embrace, and, and the, the chicken example is a good one, right? Because. Some people would, would hear that if they are a vegetarian or whatever and say, like, that's horrible. I can't believe you. They're looking at it. I don't want to say they're removed from the truth because the truth is a tricky thing. But sticking with the example we're saying, they could look at that and say, you, you monster. Like, you ate that chicken. How could you? And I think what you're saying is, like, no, no, it's actually more complicated and a little more nuanced than that. Like, yeah, doing harm to things is a bad thing. But there's a truth in what you're saying that this animal died and now I'm going to eat it and it's going to allow for this greater good. Figuring out that truth and accepting that and still feeling some gratitude because you acknowledge the animal did give its life, but then there's a greater purpose. It's embracing that full spectrum of truth. Whereas you can see somebody looking at it very simply and saying, I don't give a shit about an animal. Like it's here. It's like no respect for it. No gratitude. That's not the truth. Just like saying I could never eat an animal. That's always horrible. That's also just a sliver. That's not the full truth. So you're trying to get to that universe where we take the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it all is, we need to take it all in. Because that's what nature does. Right. Nature takes it all right. and it just plays out as it does. Yeah, and take everything that's been happening over the last few years, right? Like you can, it, it all is, is being created out of the same force, mm. right? So when human consciousness has reached a certain point and we've allowed, uh, you know, take, take a look at, you know, all the people that that created the constitution mm -hmm. you know like they'd be looking at what's going on right now in shambles sure, sure. right but they had slaves mm -hmm. at the time right mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like um we have to go through periods of initiation mm. covid was a period of initiation for us to realize that we created this mm. monster right we've mm. created the pharmaceutical industry We've created the, the farming practices. Mm -hmm. We've gave up our control for our health mm -hmm. and look at where it's got us. Mm. But what it's got us is showing us what we've been doing and how we've been creating in this reality is just causing us harm. Why so do you think so many people miss that? Why do you think, because there's, there's a lot of people who'd hear this conversation and be like, Steve, you got it. Totally wrong. You should have listened to everything the government told you when it came to COVID. And who's to say who's right or wrong, right? Let's put that aside. But Well, the CDC now says that 
it's all it's, it's all good. It's all good, right? But to that point, like, why do you think people, some people, looked in that reflection or whatever that truth that apparently COVID showed us and didn't see it the way you're articulating it? Because they're looking at it as a um, as divided, right? These things are these things are happening for us, not to us, mm. right? So if they're happening to us, there's someone to blame. Mm. When they're happening for us, it induces responsibility. Back to that responsibility. Right. Mm. So I think that when I get sick and I start thinking like, must be jujitsu's fault. Mm. I'm around too many people. Right. I'll blame it on that and then, you know, maybe decide to not do jujitsu. Right. Or the other way of thinking would be, I'm not taking care of myself. What can I do better? Mm-hmm. Right? So when I see COVID and I see all these things, it, for a long time I was like it's the government's fault. Right? It's the it's it's the politicians' mm-hmm. fault. It's the and the investors' fault, right? All the people that, you know, start wars and, mm-hmm. you know, want to plunge the economy and, you know, take power. Yep. Blame it all on them. Right, and educate people on the truth on how our, our world functions, right? But then as I started educating myself and realizing that the only way, the only possible way that that system changes is if I start living the way that I want to see the world live. Be the change you want to see. And then educate people about what's going on. Right, because if you're, if you're, if you know the truth and you choose to ignore it, mm-hmm. you're ignorant. You're ignoring it, mm-hmm. right? Versus not having access to the truth, which the internet exists. We all, most of us have access to the truth at this point, mm-hmm. right? Then you're choosing to continue the reality that you're complaining about, right? Mm-hmm. So for me. It's more about the it's the taking it's the taking responsibility of, of how you want things to be. And when no one else around you is doing it, it's very, very, very hard to do. It's almost too like I think about this a lot. You and I may have even spoken about it. I find happiness a really interesting concept and topic. Um, in and of itself, but also the way people respond to it. It it triggers a lot of people. When you say I wanna be happy or I wanna feel good, people have a reaction to that. And we could talk about that, but but I bring it up because that not wanting to take responsibility and ultimately not wanting to accept the, the truth, to me it gets to that kind of fundamental primal aspect of we want to feel good all the time. And and I think that's a that's a truth, I would argue, right? Almost by definition, us on this planet, every decision we make, everything we do, it's because we think it's gonna lead to some good for us. So like I often think of it as like the real God, if there is a God that exists, is this God of goodness. Because everything we do is compelled and pulled towards this idea of feeling good. And taking responsibility, having to face our own shit and deal with it, doesn't always feel good. So naturally, we're like, I don't want that. Now, there's certain people that evolve and get enlightened and realize there's a greater good to be had, and then you can move forward. But it all comes back to wanting to feel good at the end of the day. What do you think about that? Do you think, firstly, that's why people don't want to take responsibility? Because it just feels shitty. And on a very base level, we're like, I don't like that. And is it okay that we are seemingly guided by just wanting to feel good all the time? Um, 
well, when you run around, like happiness and feeling good, I put in the same category, right? Because happiness is an emotion that comes and goes. And as we constantly look for something that is always fleeting us, mm. we chase it forever and ever and ever. So we get bound to material existence, right? When we realize that the material existence is the smallest portion of existence, mm -hmm. and I start looking at mental, emotional realms and spiritual realms, and realize that that is actually where material existence comes from, mm -hmm. um, then I have no choice but to turn inward and not look for happiness, but to look for an everlasting peace. I know that car will not bring me everlasting peace. It'll bring me happiness, maybe for a week or two. Is it semantics though? Like that everlasting peace, which even as you say those words viscerally, I react to that as like, that sounds amazing. Like everlasting peace. That's, but it makes me happy to think about everlasting peace. Is it still the same thing? Is it still happiness that we're after? It's just a deeper, more meaningful happiness? Because I, I hear what you're saying, and that's how a lot of people respond to happiness. Like, that's yeah. an emotion that's fleeting. Well, but isn't it still... It's right? Like, you got, you got viscerally stimulated by the idea uh -huh. of everlasting peace, right? Mm. Versus having peace as an experience, right? Like, uh, it's something that a lot of the times, like, will feel, maybe you see, like, the birth of your son, mm. right? And you experience something so profound for the very first time and it'll never it'll never leave you that feeling is something that exists and you can come back to it at any point in your life mm. right so a lot of people they'll get that taste of it and then they'll run around and they'll like pick up any sort of spiritual book or you know join any spiritual community to try and find it again as mm. if it exists on the outside mm. right um so I think like that's why uh, you ever see the Matrix? Mm -hmm. You remember when uh, Neo reaches a point where he sees the code, yeah, in, and he puts a blindfold on, yeah, right. That is essentially what we're talking about right now, right. He chooses to go blind to the material existence and see the underlying truth of what reality actually is, right. Where we are in a matrix that we create from our inner life, right? So when you look for happiness on an outward life, you'll never find it, mm. right? So I think that when it comes down to, I think it's really, really important that we have that external drive to find happiness because after you do accomplish all the things that you thought would mm -hmm. make you happy and you realize that they don't, mm. That is Start to get closer you, to truth. Yes. Yeah. That's what you needed in order to realize the other end of things and how that isn't reality. That's an illusion. So the goal for you, let's just say for you, but maybe for everybody should be, is it that everlasting peace? Is that what all of this is meant to drive towards? truth is a byproduct. When, or peace is a byproduct of So truth, truth is... Yeah. Truth is the thing. Yeah. So Immanuel Kant, I've been reading him a little bit later. I think he's a German philosopher. You might have heard of him. He has a phrase that I reference sometimes. He said, if the truth shall kill them, let them die. And I like that phrase. It's harsh, but I like it because I think it's in the spirit of what you're saying. Like, truth is above all else. 
Like whatever it is, if it's the truth, that's the only thing that matters. Set you free too. But is that so? That's what I was going to ask. Is truth he means the same thing? Right. He does he exactly. Does. And whatever it, like, there's no excuse to not accept the truth. Right. Yeah. We should never allow ourselves to let anything else come between us and the truth. Is the truth the end though, or is it just a means to something? No, I think it's a means to realizing the functioning on how our reality works. And why is that? I'm going to do the annoying six-year-old question. Why is that important to figure that out? Um, quality of life. Does that not come back to happiness? Like it improves your quality of life? And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. But is, it, is that circular? No, because I'm no longer going to search for happiness outwardly. It's just going to be there. It's going to be there. Right, and it's like I know that if I find myself in a position of conflict, it's always happening for me. Mm. I'll never find myself in a bad position where I'm like, "How could this happen?" Mm. It's thank you, right? Like the chicken on my plate, right? Staring death right in front of me of another animal, another living being, and saying thank you, right? If my wife dies that is obviously going to be a way more painful thank you right but essentially still my soul i believe my soul knows why i'm here what i'm meant to learn and what i'm meant to do and if karma followed me into this life because of you know past things and it was on it was in the cards for my wife to pass away it was meant to teach me a lesson mm. not happening to me mm. but happening for me as hard as that sounds and may be right like say you know your your kid's born and two months later he's dead mm-hmm. right there's a lot of things that like you, and obviously I'm not a parent so I can't ever even imagine what that might feel like but what I can imagine is that that going back to that underlying force, that underlying intelligent force, mm. it doesn't do anything for no reason. Every single thing, every car accident, every you know, every time you walk by a doorknob and your shirt got caught on it, it was always for something, mm. right? Stop rushing through the door, mm. right? Stop. Where are you projecting yourself to being? and then you stub your toe Mm. or you bite your lip. Slow down and chew your food, Mm. right? So when I start to think of things in that holistic perspective of of everything is is intelligent and happening, I'm no longer a victim to any circumstance. I I love it, I love it. I've been having this conversation lately so I wanna dig into it a little bit. So I'm gonna press on what you said a little bit because I think I agree. And a lot of people listening and this, even that phrase, I say that too much because even that phrase sets us up for like, well, what are other people going to think? And I know already that's not the right way. But it's what you said. If your wife were to pass away, if a kid were to pass away, if anything horrible were to happen, I think I'm getting to the point where I, I'm almost hesitant to say it, but I think I already have accepted it, that like it shouldn't be that upsetting. And I even hesitate as I say that because that sounds in our society, in our world, that's like you monster. How could you say that? But very much in the vein of what you're saying, it's... It's, it's, if the truth shall kill them, let them die. Like, everybody's going to die. <laughs> Horrible things are going to happen. There are good things to be learned from and be taken. Like, all of that stuff, we know that is all true. So why would I get horribly upset if a family member or somebody I love passed away? Like, sure, there's things I'd miss about them. 
is there anything about that that's bad? Is there any unintended negative consequence in, in embracing that? Well, what's, what's the underlying truth of the matter is we're all going. We're all going. Right. Yep. We're all going and we all came. Yep. And I think if we start to look at death, right, someone's born and we all celebrate. Someone dies and we all mourn. Yep. Right. But we all mourn because we attach ourselves to their physical existence. So let's go back to Neo, mm -hmm. right? If Neo looked at death with the blindfold on, he would realize that death is a part of life, right? And in order for, for life to come anew, death has to happen. It's one in the same process. In order for us to realize how fucked the system is, COVID had to happen, right? right. right? So COVID happened for us. Death happens for us so that we can realize how the truth at the end of the day the to truth. realize the truth. It's the truth. But is there an um, like you become desensitized to suffering, right? So let's not even say death. Let's say I think on a prior podcast you might have heard the clip. I was talking to somebody about like slavery and somebody's baby being auctioned off in a in a yeah. slave auction, and like that's that's hard. Seeing that human suffering it elicits a reaction in many people that says, oh my God, I can't believe this, that's a horrible thing. In the vein of what we're talking about, we're saying, sure, that's horrible, obviously, in some ways, but in different ways, like, we shouldn't be upset by seeing human suffering. Is that what we're saying? That we shouldn't be upset by human suffering because there's a reason for all of it? No, because if we were indifferent, if, we, if the emotional compass wasn't there, okay. we wouldn't know the difference between right and so if we see other people suffer it, and we feel they're suffering, it induces change. Right. So, the, yes, agreed. So the, the, the place we're trying to get to, which is to say, just to stick with it, if a family member dies and like, okay, that's not going to destroy me. Do those two things run into conflict? Because we need some emotion. We need some empathy and appreciation for human suffering because it allows us to be human and to drive change. But if we reach that state where we say, everything's okay because the universe gave this to me and it's all a gift and we no longer feel that empathy as much of that suffering because we've gotten to an enlightened place is that a bad thing in some ways do we lose that emotional moral compass i don't think so because if now i mean we might be getting a little bit more into like a lot of people would label a belief system for me it's it's truth it's an objective truth that our soul, um, from my own experience, goes on forever, right? And if I know that your soul goes on forever, when you leave this physical body, I know you're not dead. I know your physical body's dead, right? I know this, this meat suit that mm -hmm. you chose for this lifetime just doesn't exist anymore. But so you exist on a, on a much deeper level. So why would you care if I, if somebody came in right now and stabbed me mm -hmm. and I was laying on the floor yeah. in pain, writhing, why should that impact you at all? Yeah, I think that that specific scenario, right, someone caused harm on you and took your life away. Let's even say um, I didn't die. Let's say I'm just on the floor suffering. Why, why care about that? Um, because I think that if. Well, honestly, if you were if you were meant to die, you would die, right? Right. So, and if you were meant to live, it's so that you can learn from that experience. Um, but 
I almost like I'm under the assumption that our soul that is forever knows its goal for this lifetime mm. what it wants to learn mm. it's coming to earth school to learn a lesson right and I think our free will in combination with our soul's purpose is so that we can navigate through the external illusion to come to the conclusion that um, we do have a higher calling and a higher mm. purpose to learn certain lessons so that we can succeed at, at what we wanted to learn in this lifetime. Mm. So um, if, you know, someone has to, you know, get sick and die of cancer and then they die and they travel out of the body and now they're a soul and they're reflecting on their life, they're going to be like, wow, like, mm. yeah, I got cancer and died so that I can realize having anger in me for an entire lifetime will get you sick mm. right um, and that's a good lesson to learn mm. right so the next lifetime you now have that now maybe their father is an alcoholic full of anger and they get to they get to navigate those waters again but in a much better mm. um, way mm. right and if you look at things in that perspective that's evolution that's also yeah, love I was going to say that yeah right as horrible as it is that maybe have an alcoholic father with lots of anger and to die of cancer, when you learn that anger is stored in the body can form cancer and, and that you can be a supporting character for maybe someone that is sick or that, you know, is in a, in a bad place, all that is sounds like love to me. Yeah, especially when you connect it back to what you said before that we're all kind of connected and all one if our experiences now and the lessons we learn whether it be cancer abuse of alcoholic father allows future versions of us ultimately to live better lives that seems like yeah exactly it's, it's all, all moving towards that and good. that evolution continues and we're all giving back to this thing that's putting us in a better evolve yeah there it is that's what it is it's got the word love in it. yeah it does it does. That's why I chose that name. Mm. I didn't think about that until you just said it. Yeah. I really, and I really do believe that, you know, it's all a high, there's all a higher purpose. And it's when you th try and think about it with your logical mind, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Words right? can't do it justice. No, because it's, it's beyond this three-dimensional reality. Which is what makes it so hard because that's, the, that's kind of the universal thing that I struggle with of like, the only tool we have, well, it's not, see, that's the mistake, I guess. The most obvious tool we have is our mind. Everything we know, we process through our mind, at least we think. And that's not sufficient to understand our experience. And that's such a twisted, you could say it's a fucked up thing, but I think what you would say is that's allowing you to realize it's not just your mind that you need to be thinking about. You need yeah. to be thinking about other aspects. Yeah, I think we're in the mess we're in because we've only tried to use our mind to figure it all right. out. It seemed like that's yeah. Well, you, you said it before we started about um, how when there used to be religion was much more prominent. And there was this thing that sat above our mind that we just kind of had to accept. And then in some ways that kind of helped keep us grounded. I've heard a lot of people say when like the Enlightenment or the Renaissance period happened and we started to really latch on to science and say, no, 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 we can figure all this out. Yeah. 
there's obviously a lot of good that came from that, right. but it removed us from it. Made us think yeah. we had everything we needed on our, you know, in the head on our shoulders. Right. And I think we're now realizing through evolution of, yeah. is like actually nope, that doesn't give us all the answers. It gives us a lot of good stuff, right? But it's not all the yeah, answers. Yeah, I think we were on the right brain swing of the pendulum. Now we're on the left brain swing mm-hmm. of the pendulum, and we're realizing that going from one extreme to the other doesn't really play out. Um, but we had to go through those dualistic forces of expression in order to realize that we need both expressions that we need a spiritual life and we need that's why i love uh, like quantum physics and quantum science because it's essentially what people were saying for thousands of years on a spiritual Mm -hmm. side explaining how material existence happens before science Mm -hmm. so in my mind I would much rather see a society full of, you know, overly right brain thinkers than where we're at now, but I both sides are necessary. Yeah. And if you look at all ancient traditions, it all came down to knowing, feeling and doing, mm. right? Your your brain, your heart and your gut, mm. right? And if you look at um, like the HeartMath Institute, for instance, they do all these this research into how the heart functions in the body and more than just pumping blood, mm. right? And our biggest electrical signals come from our gut, come from our heart, and come from our brain. Mm. And how all these three things are actually working in unison. Um, one study they did was they hooked people up to um, a brain scan and they had images come up on the screen, right? Some were like of a nasty car crash, mm dead bodies, puppies and flowers and you know so they mm-hmm. jump from one mm-hmm. extreme to the next and the heart responded to the negative images or really all images before the brain had a chance mm. to actually discern what it what it was it mm. was seeing. So the heart responded and I think that's where feeling right comes from. So having this this trinity which I think was Jesus' mm-hmm. teachings mm-hmm. originally was caring enough to educate yourself mm. so that you can know. And when you know the truth, you have no choice but to act out mm. what you know is right. So I think when um, the empire of the church came around and decided they were going to start to use this to control people Mm -hmm. um they may have took out um some of those inconvenient parts of it yeah yeah, they they threw in the the father son holy Mm -hmm. spirit and left out the the mother Mm -hmm. and the mother is the right brain she is emotion Mm -hmm. right so i think when we bring ourselves back into balance and we we express ourselves on a more feminine energy through emotion, through feeling, mm-hmm. um, we can discern better versus just trying to outthink any problem. So a combination of intuition and intellect is, I think, our divine expression of maximum potential as humans. Mm. That's really where evolution's trying to take us, but it had to take us on the far swing of the left brain hemisphere to mm-hmm. say, hey, like this is what happens. 
right? This is the world you create when yep. you think like this. Yep. Now let's combine both of them together mm -hmm. and see what kind of world we create out of that. It's really the macro of what you're talking about, Michael Ford, when somebody gets cancer. They learn from that and what it is. It's the universe doing the same thing on a macro level of like, okay, we tried left brain, now we need to switch. And it's that right. constant learning and improving. And I love that you brought it to religion too, because one of the things over the last few years that I've been you know, doing the show and just trying to, on this own journey for myself is, um, I, I grew up Catholic. I'm not particularly religious. If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said atheist. But you start to realize that a lot of these things, I, I don't, I'm not saying the Catholic Church has it right or Islam or whatever it is, but it's hard to argue that there is some force, some spirituality in all of this. And I think for many years, because of the institution that is the church and all this stuff that probably bastardized a lot of the things we're talking about, people got turned off from it and wanted to believe like that's all nonsense. It's stories in a book. It's bullshit. But as you start having conversations like this and you start working through it, you start to realize like, oh, like there's a lot of themes I remember hearing in, you know, church yeah. that actually apply here. Right. If we could just cut out all the bullshit and the noise and actually look at it for what it is, as you're saying, yeah. there's a lot of value I in it. I think um, the small percentage of society that's looking to rule over and right. control created an exoteric novel mm. that we're going to portray certain ideas on the outside in order to control human behavior, yeah. Yeah. right? If you do X, Y, and Z, you're gonna go to hell. Mm -hmm. That's great, that's mm -hmm. like the best motivation anyone ever needs, right? Is to you know live a, a um, infinite amount of years in, in, in hell, mm -hmm. right? So you scare people mm -hmm. into creating certain beliefs and control their behavior that way, right? All the esoteric knowledge that is hidden underneath all the symbolism, those are the deeper yes. truths of all religions and all of them point to the same, same exact thing. Yeah. The same exact thing. Yeah. They're just expressed in different ways because of different cultures. Different cultures, yeah. Right? And there was a period of time where people knew that truth. Mm -hmm where my God is your God. Mm -hmm. You just call him something mm -hmm. different and dress them up and that's whatever. Cool. Go do whatever you by want. By all yeah. means, yeah, yeah. right? So for a while, I don't think, I think that people's religions, it, it, people knew that there was an underlying truth and that there was an infinite soul mm -hmm. and that we were connected to the heavens and the stars and we viewed ourselves as celestial beings, mm -hmm. not as... Um, this is my territory, mm -hmm. that's your territory, this is my belief, that's your belief, you're wrong, I'm mm -hmm. right. Like, it, I think as fear mm -hmm. was indoctrined into religions and used to control people, that was the perfect excuse to now start inducing harm yeah. and conquering other people yeah. and all in the name of God, which is the worst, the worst, the worst thing possible you thing you can do. Well, it's the best if you want to control people to your point right. of fear and hell and God. Right. Like you've become on such a moral high ground. Like who can argue with that? And and they set it up in a way where you it. literally can't argue. If you argue with it, you go to hell. Right. So like they set up the perfect situation perfect, to control. Perfect system. Yeah. Perfect system. So maybe I'll ask this as we get to the end. The last question: What's your? Are you are you optimistic for humanity? Are you for cynical? Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, cuz as we were saying before, even if we blow ourselves up and mm. you know, the world will start anew. It's going to get there. Humans will come back and we'll try again, but um, from my research and from what I've been diving into on my own experiences, 
um, humanity takes such a long time to evolve that there are other beings overseeing the earth mm. and in the name of evolution and in the name of love um, that's why you look at like post World War II in the 1950s where all of a sudden flying saucers were a thing mm. and it was there's no coincidence that the nuclear bombs they actually when they go off they send a ripple throughout our solar system and our solar system is connected to other solar mm -hmm. systems through plasma, right? This dark matter. Mm -hmm. And that plasma works as a nervous system for the entire universe. So when you throw something like a nuclear bomb off and you affect all dimensions of space-time, no one out there is going to be like, that's a, that's a kid with a stick of dynamite mm. in their hand. Mm. We're not going to let that fly. Mm. So that's why in the 1950s you start seeing all of these extraterrestrial you know, beings start showing up. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, Area 51 becomes a thing. And because they, they're, over, they're watching. They're overseeing. Mm -hmm. Right? And they don't want to interfere with our free will. But when you start causing harm, right, it's back to where you started. You're causing right. harm to others. Yeah. Now they have to step in. Now they're justified to right. step in. And if the whole idea was, let's help the world grow. If we blow ourselves up again and start over, and now we take another few million mm. years, we're taking too much time, mm. right? Mm. And I, it's my belief that we're going to go down very, very, very deep waters. Mm. I think COVID is just the beginning. I think the attack on our agricultural system is starting now. It's not mainstream yet. Um, we're seeing all the you know propaganda of like global warming mm -hmm. and how we need to kill the cows and we need to burn the farms and you know we're seeing farmers getting bought out. We're seeing giant slaughters of, of chickens and cows and all this sorts of thing. We're seeing, like, we're going to start to see, like, taxation on your uh, CO2 output, mm -hmm. right? Which is all bullshit. They're going to try and pull us towards eating more processed, more garbage food in the name of global warming. Once you push it worse than where we've gotten, we're going to come to a threshold and I think that threshold will be the beginning of the new earth and that earth will be the divide of the people looking for freedom mm. and truth and the people that aren't looking to take responsibility for their actions and they will eat the garbage that they give you even if they tell you it's bugs even if they tell you that it's processed because you will be a savior of the planet for uh, they'll put you on your moral high ground. It's the same guy. Same shit that they did with masks, yeah. right? Where I'll be walking, I'll be driving down the road and seeing like a bus stop with like an ad, and it was something like um, I forget what they were doing, but essentially, you know, it's guilt, mm -hmm. it's shame, mm -hmm. right? 
If you don't wear a mask, it's your fault, mm -hmm. right? So everyone wants to be on that moral high ground and think highly of themselves. Um, it's the so, same game they play with religion. Same you want to be in God's favor, right? You got to do this stuff. You don't want to go game. to hell. It's the same yeah, playing same. on that fear and shame. Yeah. yeah. So I think that we're going to get to a, a rock bottom point, but that rock bottom point will be our wake up call. If the last few years hasn't been, it has for me, mm -hmm. right? Where like I always knew what was going on, but I never actually said, okay, even though no one else is doing it, I'm going to learn how to farm. Mm. I'm going to learn how to grow my own food. I'm going to learn about, you know, uh, uh, al alternative ways of, of making money and building community mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things. Because if I don't do it, then I have to rely on someone else to take mm -hmm. responsibility for mm -hmm. it, right? And I think that um, going back to the truth, you can't know the truth and not take action. Right. So, um, and if you do, then you have no one to blame but yourself, yourself. right? And that's fine. Like, if you want to do that, then by yeah, means, it's on you. that doesn't get us anywhere. Uh, right. So I have hope. <laughs> one, one last question on that, because it, it's interesting to me. Because I think... I think We've, we've been talking about it the whole way, but even what you're saying right now, that same situation arises, which is which is so convenient if, if you were to want to control people, is people could hear what you're saying, and, and, and people have done it for decades and, and centuries. Conspiracy theory, like, oh, Steve, you're just talking, not because it, it lends itself so nicely to being able to say, oh, you're crazy. When somebody tells the truth, you're crazy. Yeah. Like, don't trust My him. My whole family thinks I'm crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And, in the spirit of that, like that's what makes this so hard. Just like with religion, you can't you can't say that, Steve. Immediately, that right. makes you crazy, or that makes you go to hell, or whatever right. it is. Um, so, what you need is for people to take that leap to say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna search for the truth objectively. I'm not gonna let somebody else tell me that's crazy or it's not. It might be wrong, it might be right, but I'm gonna evaluate and assess it for myself." Yeah. Part of that. A way for you to empathize with that, of somebody, your family trying to hear you is, is there any part of you that thinks, maybe I'm wrong? Maybe it actually, maybe we do need processed food and we need all that stuff. Yeah. And I know you're going to say no, and you may very well be right, <laughs> but I'm curious like how you think about that. Because is that inability to even consider that, is that the same thing other people are thinking when they hear what you're saying? Of like, I can't even consider what Steve's saying, it's yeah. so far off the reservation. Yeah. Well, I would just ask people to look at their actions and if their actions are getting the results that they want, mm -hmm. right? If you're eating processed food and you are, your energy levels are through the roof, you don't need stimulants on a, on a, a consistent basis mm -hmm. and you're as happy as can be, by all means, keep doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, but we are seeing on a global scale that what we're doing is not working, yeah. right? The proof is in the pudding, mm -hmm. right? And if you want to ignore the truth mm -hmm. and keep doing what you're doing, then by all means, I mean, the word conspiracy theory was created by the CIA, right? Kind of like we were talking about earlier, like, let's put the term out, uh -huh. right? And make it into this thing yep. So that when we throw around the term, we can associate it with people that might be telling the truth, uh -huh. right? Um, it's genius if you think genius. about it. It's yeah. genius, yeah, yeah, it's genius. They yeah. threw all, all of it right in front of our face, yeah. right? Um, so to sum it up, I think that, um, one, I do, I do have hope for the world because 
it's only going to take a, a small portion of us to start a shift. Um, and then um, for the second question, um, for the people that hear these sorts of conversations and they throw around the word conspiracy theory or they think they're crazy, right? Like um, a lot of the times I would just stop and think why do I believe what I believe right and do my beliefs cause thoughts that make me feel good mm -hmm. and make me do things that give me the things that I want right so you know if if make if what makes you feel good is working 50 hours a week so that you can afford a home to spend no time in mm -hmm. and um, essentially be put on your hamster wheel. If that makes you happy and that brings you, like for my parents, that was the American dream, mm -hmm. right? Like they grew up less fortunate, wanted all the things for their kids that they didn't get to have, which mind you is just a projection of, mm -hmm. of what mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be a slippery slope. Um, but for them, that made them happy. They truly felt they were doing the right thing, mm. even though it was at you know uh, um, it jeopardized their marriage and their relationship, and they're ill, right? If that's not what they wanted to create, and that's the results that they got, I would ask right. that you reevaluate, mm. right? Change your belief system, change your thoughts, change your emotions, and change your actions to create the world that you want, yeah. right? And if it makes you feel good and it makes others feel good and it doesn't cause harm to anybody else, it's probably a really good way of living. Yeah. Um, and if we come back to the whole idea of death and the truth in death and the acceptance of it, we can readily pursue the things that matter most to us yes. because we realize how, how short of a time we are here. Yes. You know, um, so I think that that underlying truth is what allows us to pursue, you know, uh, uh, the most natural and rewarding way of of living. At least for me. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it because especially that ending. I think the whole conversation, obviously, interesting. But for those that do think, um, to your point before about right brain, left brain, you just exhibited to me some of that left brain part of it because it's very logical. And, and methodical and looking at the output and the results, obviously the spiritual, the, the right brain comes in, but that, that approach to determine like, what is the truth? Well, let's look at, let's look at the evidence. Let's look at how you're feeling. Let's look at society and how That's it's all. moving. Um, and there's something deeply logical in that, which I think is really powerful and it, it brings those things together. It also speaks to, I think, why there's so many distractions today, because if you stop and look and reflect, it's, the results look pretty obvious. Like, oh, I'm not healthy or I'm depressed or I'm on antidepressants right. or, you know, my marriage broke up or whatever it is. Um, but if you're staring at Netflix or social media or whatever other stuff, things. it's very easy to just push <laughs> that shit aside. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Which again speaks to what you're saying. So I think, Steve, this is, uh, it was a long time coming, but it was worth yeah, it, man. man. Yeah, uh, we probably could talk for another four hours. And we probably will over the easy. next years that I keep training. Yeah. But I appreciate it, Tom, man. I think it's a super interesting perspective. And what I love about the show, I hope, is that 
it allows people to dive deeper into it and not just superficially make judgments. Right. It allows them to actually listen and think about it in a deeper way. Yeah. And hopefully that allows them to find their truth, whatever that is for them. Yeah, and I think, I think because of you focusing on like each individual and them coming from a different background, a different profession, mm. and having a different value, mm. I do think over the years you'll start to notice that truth for me Maybe someone else's um, happiness. Right. Whatever their thing. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like faith, whatever. Right. right. Whatever like it will all come back yes. to relatively like the fundamental needs of being a human. Yes. Right. And um, those of us that put value on things that are an illusion you'll see yes. it play out in their life yes. and in their profession and in their attitudes, right? So it's like, it's kind of cool. I'm a little envious of the position you're in mm. only because you're eventually, if you haven't already, going to see these underlying patterns yeah. of what it means to be a human, yeah. right? And the things that we strive for are really most natural they're yes. in nature yes right? that's one they're of the big in, themes that's come out for me they're in nature yes. right and when we realize that the divine intelligence has given us everything that we need you no longer look to Netflix you no longer mm -hmm. look for external validity to make your life worth something mm -hmm. because it's already there it's already present yeah. you know it's, I think it's just coming to that truth yeah and having the confidence to accept that truth and not be worried like pursue what's, it. What's my mom gonna say you if gotta I pursue say it. Yeah. For sure. Yes. You gotta pursue it. Because you're gonna face hard. hurdles in pursuing right. it. People and are gonna tell you like you're crazy or sure. that's stupid or you should just get this Definitely. regular job and do that. Yeah. And when yeah. everyone when everyone else is stuck in the illusion right. and you're trying to portray that, you will come off crazy. Sure. But eventually you won't. Yeah. You know, and the world will start to evolve and, and shift. And the results will show. You'll be happier. You'll have more peace. You'll have that better yeah. life. And that's yeah. what it's all about, right? Definitely. Awesome, Definitely. man. I appreciate it a ton. Yeah, yeah, it was good, man.